So, so I want you to put your hand on somebody next to you and just speak a blessing over them, okay? So it's, it shouldn't be awkward touching the person next to you, but just ask that person, I'm not going to spit in your face, I'm just going to touch you on your shoulder and I'm going to speak a blessing over you. That blessing might be, hey, God loves you, that's a blessing. So let's just pray for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we don't have to control the universe. We don't have to be the center of our little universe, making all the difficult con- decisions about our, life, our lives. We can entrust all of that to you. And we're just handing over our leadership, the leadership of, of our homes, our souls. We just hand it over to you now, Jesus. We want to co-labor with you. We want to allow you to speak into our lives. We want to allow you to to discipline us, to correct us, because you're a good father. You do all of that in love so that we can fulfill our full potential. Any name for Jesus? Amen. Okay, you you can take a seat. I just want to call up the Sri Lanka team. We're going to send them out. We have Clive Africa that's going to Asia, so the continents are connecting. Diewald is, is from the Republic of Grootbrak, he's also coming, sending them out. Great, so if, if all of you can just look at Eddie, just look at Eddie and just say, Keiko Leikai. Did you get that joke? Like, anyway, okay, the English congregation, the Afrikaans one will get it. Okay, Gert, Gert, he's our, he's our leader, so I need to submit under him, but he's a good friend. Every now and then I struggle with rebellion on these trips, but uh, Gert, we're very excited. Thanks, Omo. Yeah, uh, I know you always struggle with rebellion, but it's all right. We'll, we'll manage you. We've got some, a strong team this year to keep you, keep you tied up. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to Sri Lanka. I don't know. Uh, when the first Sri Lanka trip was, I think it was in 2012, so that means it's 10 years since the, since the first one, and it's really been fruitful throughout, and there's so many people sitting here that have been to Sri Lanka already, and um, the groundwork's already been done. This year's different, this year we've got a nice strong team, but things in Sri Lanka are also very different. Uh, things are really going tough there, I don't know if you, you guys have seen on the news, but We've got massive fuel shortages, food shortages, um, electricity shortages, and um, the government has had a complete meltdown. Um, and, I mean, riots in the streets, uh, things are really going rough there. And the, the Buddhist government has completely 
um, let them down. And everyone's asking us, but is it safe? Should we go? Shouldn't we go? And obviously the answer is this is the perfect time to go. The people are confused. The people uh, need something to hold on to. And, and we can go and give them what we have. And we just need your coverage and prayer for our, ourselves and also our families staying behind. There have been so many things that have already tried to stop us going. But we just know that God's in this and he, he's covering us. And yeah, it will be great if you guys can cover us in prayer. Um, I, also, I think it's probably a good thing if, if we just ask for, for this prayer. If uh, everyone that's been to Sri Lanka before, Ben, Chantal, Renel, Lambert, Clyde, um, Johan, everyone, to maybe just come and while we do this prayer, maybe just come and lay hands on us. Iodia, who else is there? Um, Colleen, Kurin, uh, <laughs> everyone, yes. So we've got lots of people that have been there before. Is there, am I missing anyone? Okay. Family, can we just put our hands forward to them? Father God, thank you for what you've given us, Father, your son. And Lord, you've given us the Great Commission. And Father, these willing souls, laborers, are stepping out, Lord, in faith. For them it will be some, it will be the first time, but they're going into battle for you, Father. Father, I pray a blessing over them. I pray an anointing. I pray for your fire to go forward, Father, that your blood of Jesus will cover them. Father, they will see miracles and signs and wonders. You will take them to a completely new level in the spiritual, Father. They will feast on you every minute that they are in Sri Lanka. And when they put their feet on the soil of Sri Lanka, Father, you will be there. And they will be taking territory back for you, Father. I pray pray for healing. I pray for, for blessings. I pray for synergy within the team, Father. A golden thread of the Holy Spirit continuously with them. Father, I pray for the hearts in Sri Lanka. I pray for the soil that is prepared. And Father, they will see great things. Lord, just keep them close to you and that the team will constantly just feast on you, Lord. And, and cover them under your blood, Father, because the attacks will be there. But they will not grow weary, and they will just continue, and they will have supernatural, supernatural energy in the name of Jesus. Yes, Father, thank you that <coughs> can stand in unity in this prayer, Lord, Father. Thank you that, that you're not sending a strong team, but you're sending a team strong in the Spirit, Lord. Father, and that... They're going to manifest in every gift of the Spirit, Lord, Father. Whatever is needed, Father, you're going to be there in your strength and your power. And to you belong the glory, the power, the kingdom, and the majesty, Lord, Father. That soil, Lord, will never be the same again. We declare it over them, Lord. We declare unity in this team, Lord, Father. And, Father, oh, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, Father, that you're going to do a mighty work through these men and women, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to proclaim that when you enter... 
the authority or certain areas of authority in the spirit that wells of revival will open. Um, I just experienced this, that the Lord will do this. And revival comes from him. It is he who draws the hearts to him. It's not us. It's not you. So I pray that the Lord go before you and prepare the hearts. And he will draw them already. And he will set them up with divine encounters. And it's Holy Spirit anointed and breakthrough, but especially with opening up of the wells, unblocking of wells, of living water that will start. And this blockage of, um, that stop revival and people connecting will stop. We ask for favor for the church there and a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your authority and that your spirit will do the work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, congregation. So we expect you to pray for us. Um, just follow all the, the WhatsApp groups and also social media. And uh, something that's significant about this team, we, we actually have somebody coming with us from Oterung, but also Derek Flanagan from the Vineyard Church in George. So we said we're not only sending it from Shofar, but we're sending it from George. And we know there's a... Amen. And we know there's a, there's a call on, on this congregation to, to bring different streams of God's flow of the Holy Spirit together so that we will reach the nations. There's that prophetic word that we need to usher in in our time that says there will be a fire from the southern tip of Africa, pretty much on the southern tip of Africa, and it must go up all the way to Cairo and then explode into, into the world. So we, we're trusting for that to happen. And uh, sometimes just being obedient, spending a lot of money just to go to Sri Lanka and uh, following what God's God's doing and putting in our hearts, that's um, what spurs that kind of revival, um, those first fruits, the first fires of revival. Um, something that's also interesting about, about Sri Lanka, so uh, one of the, our people on that, that side, partners, he phoned me, hey, oh, I just want you to be aware of what's happening, lots of protests. I said, we know, we, we, we in South Africa, we know what protest looks like. And then he says, another thing, there's power outages. I said, no, we're not used to power outages. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we, I do think that South Africans, we have something to give to the world. Uh, we, we live with trauma all the time. And we s- still enjoy life. We make joke, of, we make fun of, of it in a, in a good way. I think it's good. There's a sense of humor that comes out. Is that African people, um, whether it's what happened in, now in Durban or even our government, and God's using us, our resilience, as a, as a picture of what Jesus wants to do in, in the nations. Um, I just want Rikas to quickly come and share a testimony. So there's something that I'm, I'm picking up in the, in the spur that God's doing in our, in our midst, where He uses normal people in everyday kind of life, gestures to, to really showcase the love of G- Jesus, especially in the detail. So one of these testimonies was last, last night we, we got together for a, for a marriage, a wedding. Yana and Darren got uh, married. And uh, Darren was, a few weeks ago, he, he said to his fiance back then, hey, I just want, I want to be touched by Jesus. I want to be, um, I want to know that Jesus loves me and that he that he is on, on my life. So he walks into the service, 
And Luke's one daughter walks up to him and gives him a little card that says, Jesus loves you. <laughs> so we got our friends together and we're just like, hey, Lord, we ask you to touch Darren. We ask you to show how much you love him personally. And then a young 10-year-old walks up to him in a service and says, I love you. Simple gesture, just like that. And then Brenda's also shared that at the journey course, at the end of the journey course, we prophesy over everybody. And he said, somebody prophesied, Ben prophesied over him. It was so, so spot on. And then he, um, he was baptized the other day. And the lady leading the, the baptism for us from the volunteer side is still sending him prophetic words and still sending um, him words that God's speaking over him. So it's these normal things that we do, not the guy with the white suit up here that flies in, jetted into, into George with all the wonder and miracle anointing. Although we believe that there's impartation and there are people that God has raised up in the nations to, to do that. But it's the, the priesthood of all believers. So uh, I just want Rikus to share a quick testimony on what happened at youth. I think we should get Omo a white suit for every service. <laughs> Um, um, so this is just a testimony of God's faithfulness in, um, in the intricacies of our lives. Like he, he really, he sees everything. Um, yeah, someone this morning shared like, um, his eye slips nothing, something like that. Um, so there's two sisters, um, older sister, younger sister, about 15 year old, um, that came to our youth, uh, a little while ago and I got to know them, got to know their parents a little bit. And then um, their father passed away with COVID. And, um, of course, the, they, they're still in high school. Um, lot, lots of questions. Um, and, yeah, so for a while, they didn't come to youth um, just because of, like, questions and people. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to answer um, when, when their friends ask them questions and stuff. And, um, yeah, so this week... Um, after a few months, the youngest sister um, came to youth, and um, afterwards I spoke to her, like after the service was done, I spoke to her, and she, she just told me like the story. She said um, she wanted to come to youth, but another youth, and then suddenly she just felt like she needed to come back to her original youth, and um, which is our, us now, and then um, she's been struggling to feel like God sees her. And that God hears her when she prays to him. And um, she's been trying to get breakthrough in this. And Thursday evening, um, we, we prayed for each and every youth, give prophetic word over their lives. Um, and she w came forward. And then Emma, which is there at the back, you may have seen her in some of the magazines in Spot as well, um, our local model. Um, she, she prayed for her. And... Weirdest thing, they don't know each other, but it's so amazing how God lined them up because Emma also lost her father about a year ago. And uh, afterwards, she just, um, this girl just cries while she's telling me the story that tonight she felt like God was seeing her. And she's, um, that, that God sent like Emma, which knows exactly um, what she's going through, um, just to, to pray with her. And I mean, I started just crying because that's how faithful our father is. And um, this girl, we can, me and Lene, um, we could have prayed over her as well and just blessed her. And I'm um, so excited. Was, there was hope in her eyes. 
there is hope. And that's amazing. So, yeah. Amen. So, God's so good that he can use an evil thing like Emma losing her dad to COVID to bring hope to another girl and to show that, that young girl how much Jesus loves her. So, God wants to use everything, everything that you have. He wants to use it for his glory and to touch and to touch people. So, yeah, let's, let's put out our faith that more of these things will happen. Um, I was talking to Yodia that um, sometimes I would make a joke, and that will become a prophetic joke. So, so I joked with one of our friends in Port Jostruum, and I said, um, uh, I sent a message via these friends to another friend of ours and said, hey, um, uh, we have something to tell you. But they've been married, they've, they don't have babies yet, so they thought, obviously, um, that they, they're now pregnant, but they weren't pregnant. But a month afterwards, after that joke, they became pregnant. So even the, the small things God wants to use, you think, well, you're just doing a business, you're just running your family, you're maybe just with the kids, but God wants to use everything that you do. He wants to use that to touch people's lives. There's, there's no like high, amazing, anointing, um, people and then low anointing. No, if we have the Holy Spirit, we have the same anointing. And we have access to all the gifts of the Spirit. We have access to even those, <laughs> those almost weird coincidences. And uh, God wants to use that to show His love to Jesus. So let's just pray. Let's just open our hearts to that. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you will raise up an army in this church. They will love bomb every neighborhood, every school, every, every area and sphere of influence in the city and in the nations um, with your love, with your voice, with prophetic words, with miracles. Lord, however you want to use us, we just say, yes, we are your servants. We don't want the glory. We want to point all of that glory towards you so that the name above all names can be glorified, Jesus Christ. Amen. Great, so we um, in a sermon series called Jesus in the Old Testament. So I want to touch on something that I, I found really interesting in Isaiah. In Isaiah, the scholars would, would tell you that there are four servant songs. So these are like songs, poems that speak of a servant that will come. And they have a few things in common. The one is, all of them use the phrase, Ebet Yahweh, which means servant of the Lord. So the Lord's servant. The other things that they have in common is that they, it's a humble servant. And then it's also a servant that will suffer and a servant that will be rewarded. So it points us towards this righteous one, the Messiah, that will come, and then he will eventually lead us through his suffering into abundant life. But it's also, it's, it speaks to who we should become, humble servants willing to suffer, willing to suffer, willing to suffer, willing to give up something things for Jesus in order to gain the reward 
which is obviously God's, God's blessing. I was, I was listening to somebody speaking in marriage, and he said, um, somebody asked him, so how do you choose, how do you choose a marriage partner, a life partner that you want to stay with your wife or your husband? How do you choose that? And he said, one of the ways you can do, one of the ways that you can think about this is think of a person that you are willing to suffer with. And not, not always because it's difficult this, but also life happens. So if you then have a Cornell by your side, would it be better for you to have Cornell with you while you suffer, my wife? And I would say, yes, thank you, Jesus, because she makes it easier. And uh, she knows what we are called to. She knows that we will need to sacrifice. We do that as a unit. When, I, when, I, when we were younger and, the, and Eva would wake up when, when the second and third and the fourth kid came and it worked a little different, then all of us would be up. Yay! There's Eva. Then we became more and more clever as the years have uh, gone, gone by. And we said, okay, now it's your turn. Okay, now it's your turn. Okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But what we read in the Old Testament about the servant is that he is willing to suffer. And he is willing to sacrifice for this greater price, which is ultimately the reward of God. One day, God looking at you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So somebody the other day said, um, you know, I don't want God to just go like, well, Amor. He must go, well done, Amor. So there must be action to my belief, to my faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, specifically, we're going to look at the last one, Isaiah 52, from verse 13 to 53 to verse 12. And uh, I just want to... Uh, quote two, two times where it's quoted in the, in the New Testament. The one is a story in Acts where Philip meets this Ethiopian. And uh, we're just going to read that from verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, angels still exist, they speak to you. Said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I would love for that to happen more often. Hey, I just, I had a, hey, oh, I just had an angel. He said, hey, don't go um, on your way to school. Don't go through York Street, but drive around. Um, come in from the N2. Imagine God could speak to us like that. He wants to. Are we open to that? So he started out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaka, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So this man is an African. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers, 
is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So he's quoting Isaiah 53, this, this servant song. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and uh, the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized them. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So, so much craziness in this story. Eh? So, God's telling Philip, hey, go there, listen to what this man is reading, and then interpret that. So, he's reading from the Old Testament. He went out to worship with the Jews in Jerusalem. He came back. He had no idea that the Old Testament was actually speaking about Jesus. And then Philip interpreted the scripture, and then this man's like, hey, there's water. Can I get baptized? It's like that. Some of us, and, and we often get that when we do at step one, a journey, when we talk about baptism, people would say, but I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm not holy enough. My household is not in order yet. But listen to what this man does. Implicit obedience, just like that. Hey, there's water. Let's get baptized right now. Let's not wait. Let's apply action to our, our faith in Jesus Christ. So they, he get, gets baptized. And then what's also cool about this, and I love, I love those kind of supernatural things that happen, in, especially in Acts, is Philip then gets teleported away. That's also possible. I would love for us to save plane tickets, the money for the plane tickets to Sri Lanka, and just go like, okay, Ronald Bitfons, let's go. Our passports, all the COVID tests, all, none of that. We just, we rock up in, in Sri Lanka. And maybe some of us rock up in Sri Lanka, like, Gertz in Japan, I'm in South America. It's like, where are you guys? Put the wrong digits in, in the teleport. But let's trust the Lord for those supernatural things. But that's not what the sermon is about. The sermon is about Jesus that's revealed in the Old Testament in Scripture. And while you're reading through the Old Testament, study the Old Testament. I, uh, at the beginning of last year, I set, set this goal for myself. I want to st- study the Old Testament. Not only read it, I want to study it. So I started with Genesis. I'm only now at Ruth because I'm taking longer than I thought just uh, internalizing what God's doing in the Old Testament. Even Leviticus, what's amazing. People say it's a boy. It's an amazing book if you understand it from the perspective of Jesus and through the lens of the resurrection. Same with Deuteronomy. So Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament, and specifically in this, in this scripture, in Isaiah 53. And then another scripture in Luke twenty two thirty seven, 37, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he says, just before he is crucified, he says, It is written, 
and he was numbered with the transgressors. So even Jesus is saying, hey, this prophetic word, the Old Testament, 600 years before my birth, this Isaiah prophesied accurately that I will be numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reading, sorry, is reaching its fulfillment. So even Jesus is like, hey, Lease your Old Testament. Read your Old Testament. So let's go to that piece of scripture. And like I said last, last week, the reason why it's so important for us to study prophecy in the Old Testament is, one, because then we can see the consistency, the coherence of the Bible. And that stimulates faith. But now here's where it becomes really dangerous. Now, you see all the 300 plus testimonies being fulfilled in Jesus, and you're like, shucks, I'm seeing it. I now have the knowledge. And that makes you liable to judgment. It's like, you know. It's sometimes my kids would say, yeah, but dad, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to go to the top drawer at in the kitchen and get all the chocolates. I, I didn't know I, was, I wasn't allowed there. So they claim innocence because of their ignorance. And sometimes we do it as Christians also. And, and I think sometimes it's a valid, valid point. It's like we, we just didn't know, but now you know. If you've been through, sitting through these sermons, understanding that Jesus fulfilled 300 plus testimonies in himself. So the Bible is coherent. The Bible is consistent in speaking about the one to come. They will take away the sins and reconcile us with God. Then you cannot turn a blind eye anymore. You cannot say, I didn't know. And you also cannot say, hey, okay, I'm not going to take this book serious. You need to start, go and study it. You need to go and check what's, what's it saying. What is God speaking to you about? How can you change? How can you fulfill the calling on your life and the purposes that God has placed um, in you. Yes, so that is why we want to understand that the Old Testament speak about Jesus to stimulate faith um, so we can go and really change this world because this world needs changing. Okay, so Isaiah 52 verse 13. Bloods and missing this one. I'll just go there in my Bible quick. By the way, it's a great idea to bring your Bible to church. Okay, so Isaiah 52 from verse 13. So I think it's got an ESV, but I'm going to read from the NIV in my Bible. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up, raised up and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured 
beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For they were not told that they will see and what they have not heard, they will under understand. So it's introducing us to the servant that will come. He will be exalted. Yes, he will receive, he will receive some honor. But before that, something will happen. He will be disfigured. In other words, you won't even see that it's a human being. So that's what happened on the cross. All of this is pointing to what Jesus did. Uh, verse 1, chapter 53. Who has believed our message, to whom has the arm of Lord, the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. So it's this servant, this righteous servant going through all of this so that he will be exalted to bring um, God's glory to earth. And then verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and borne our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Just think of how accurate Isaiah is here. Verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will. And this for me is a hard verse to read. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. It was God's will to crush his son so that we can be set free, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can experience the love of God. Thinking, think for yourself, you that have kids, it's your will to crush your kids so that the other kids can live. It goes beyond um, just what we can think is possible. Yes, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper him, will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will be and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So it ends up so powerful. 
Can you see Jesus? It ends up so powerful. It says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So this is not only a servant that will suffer for the righteous, for the honorable, for those who are innocent, for those who are holy, but he actually suffers and he pays the price and he takes on the iniquity of the transgressors, the people that are unwilling to submit to him. So what Jesus is saying here, or what the Bible is revealing about who Jesus is, is that no matter what you've done, where you come from, what are you still doing, God has paid the price for you already. Last night at this wedding, a guy comes to me and says, Amor, I cannot forgive myself because I am a drunkard. I constantly fall for alcohol every time. If, you've, if I've only done it once and then I go for forgiveness, I would be able to forgive myself. But now I'm doing it all the time. Every weekend I'm getting drunk. So Amor, how can God forgive me? I'm like, exactly. God can forgive you. And he has already forgiven you. What he wants is for you to step out of this place where you think that you need to do this on your own. You need to carry the iniquity of your life on your own. You need to hand that over to the Lord. So the moment you receive forgiveness, you understand you receive a new identity. And then when you then get drunk again, because that might still happen again then you can know and realize that that is not who you are. That is not your identity. You are holy and blameless in your identity, and you can repent of the things that you are not, because that is what repentance is, is to repent of the things that you are not, the things that God didn't put on you, that you put on yourself, either by sin or by trauma or by lies that you believe, whatever it might be. You need to repent of that. And Jesus, through the Old Testament, God through the Old Testament is like, my people, you cannot do this on your own. Jylle kan nie. Jylle is al starrig. Ken jylle nou Afrikaanse woord? A strand. You are stubborn. You are rebellious, not in you. You're sinning all the time and you're doing all these awful things, but you're rebellious in this in the sense that you are not submitting to the good Father in heaven's will for your life. And that's not only in actions, it's also in the way that you think about yourself. That God has taken all of those iniquities, the the patterns in your mind, the emotions in your soul, all of those patterns He has taken on Him. And even the scripture says, By his stripes, you are healed, even your sicknesses. He's taken all of that on himself. So, through 66 books, 40 different authors, over over a period of 1,500 years in, in, um, in the Old Testament, and over 100 years in the New Testament, God is speaking to his children. Come to me. Come to me. I have the solution. I've already done this. I'm going to do this for you. I think one of the biggest areas of rebellion in the church 
is not that we get drunk over weekends, we watch pornography, or we do drugs, is the rebellion of trying to perform so that we can be innocent. So that we will be somehow gain through our contribution what Jesus already paid with his contribution. So read the book. Read it over and over and over. Read the Old Testament and the New Testament and allow for the, the voices of your mind, the voices of the world, the voices of whoever you're listening to, allow for those voices to be quieted so that you can hear His voice calling you back to Him. So that I don't have to get to a wedding where somebody is literally, literally being strangled by his own sin. Knowing that there's a Jesus who died for his sin, but he's being strangled by his own sin. And in a way, weird enough, he's strangling himself because he is allowing for the devil to do that. So, on my Instagram profile, I, I wrote, this is Amal, and I want to see Jesus getting everything that he died for. When God makes a plan, it's not done 50%. When he executed the plan, it was done 100%. And the plan was to take away your sin so that you can be reconciled to a living God that loves you with all your nonsense, with your dysfunctional family, with all the nonsense you're still going to commit, but He loves you. He loves you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. So I'm fighting you today. I'm fighting this whole month. We are fighting. We are fighting with you for, to have faith in the Scriptures, to have faith in what God says. If He said it, then we need to believe it, and that settles it. We need to be able to keep ourselves and other people in our lives accountable to this. That's not from the Lord. Not only for actions, but also the way that you think. The way that you're always a victim. All, all these good things happen to all those amazing people out there. It never happens to you. Because God somehow doesn't love you. It's a lie. So here's what we're going to trust for. We're going to trust that Isaiah 53 from verse 4 till 6 becomes in reality for all of us. 
So hear all these promises. So this is what Jesus died for. He died for this. This, is, this plan has been executed, and we are stepping into the, the reward of Jesus' faithfulness and serving through the suffering to gain all of these rewards for us. Verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Are you grieving? He's grieving with you, but he's also wanting to take that away. He carried our sorrows. Do you have sorrows? He did it. Yet we esteem his stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Have you messed up? Have you sinned? He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities speaking of that bloodline that comes all the way from from Adam, maybe through your grandmother, your grandfather, your great-great-grandmother, all those things, those family illnesses, family sins. My dad was alcoholic. My grandfather was alcoholic. My grandmother had breast cancer. My mother has breast cancer. I'm also going to have breast cancer. All of that's done with on the cross. We need to trust the Lord for that. And there we have Corin. Corin, there, there, she's a testimony of that, being healed of breast cancer. Yes, God will use the doctors. Yes, but God wants to couple that with, with your faith. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So you're going to have peace. Peace in, in your workplace, peace in the difficult times. You don't. It's not that you, God's only promising peace once you're sitting there on the beach at Mauritius. You just teleported because you now have faith and now you're lying there sipping on your pina colada. It might happen. But God, He fought and He died for internal peace. That if a war breaks out now in South Africa, all of us should be going like, wow, I have peace. There's nothing of peace in my external reality, but, but my internal reality says there's peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Okay, so let's, let's stand and then trust the Lord does this. If there's anything that I said that you need to apply to your life, apply it. It's in the word. It is incorruptible and it will bear fruit if you believe it. And now some of you are already like, I know this, I've trusted the Lord, I've put my faith in the Word, but I've failed, I don't know if I can do this again. God says, hey, just come to me again. I'm not mad at you for your little faith. I'm just calling you higher. I just want to love you. I want to touch you again. I want to tell you that you are precious in my sight. So I just want us to do business with God, just say, God, this is what I'm trusting for.
I specifically want to pray for people who you can see the, the patterns in your family. Any kind of pattern, whether it's cancer or depression or even a sin pattern like alcohol abuse or adultery. If you have that kind of pattern in your life, I just want you to raise your hand very high. It's very high. Just say, hey, I'm going to trust that the Lord heals me of that. Okay, so the people around those people that raise their hand, if you can just lay your hands on them, we're just going to pray a simple prayer, and then you can just continue with praying for them. In the sense, God wants to, there's, there are people here, you're struggling with poverty, and the poverty in your generation came because of a victim spirit. It was in your grandfather, it, it was in your dad, and now you're also falling for this victim spirit. If that is you, just raise your hand. God wants to heal you, He wants to touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so just look around and see if there are people raising their hands around you. Just put your, put your hands on them. Just look around. So let's just pray this all together. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you are revealed in the Old Testament. No, no, you're not, we're not doing this justice now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are revealed in the Old Testament. So that we can have faith in what you did in the New Testament. And we declare now that we can receive all, that, all the things that you have died for. So Lord, we speak blessing where there was a curse. We speak healing where there was illness. We speak peace, where there was anxiety. We now receive the promises of God in the name of Jesus. I'm going to, so the people around these people, just keep on praying for them. Just ask them specifically why you raised your hand. Let's just pray for them. And then if you're not getting prayed for or you're not praying, just turn to the person next to you and say, is there anything that I can pray for? Anything in your life? And let's just spend some time, a couple of minutes, praying for one another, loving one another, and then there will be coffee at the back, and then you can enjoy just the fellowship. Great. So let's just pray for one another. 